what a difference a day makes. I'm Ben Evans, serve as an elder here at University Baptist Church. I just wanted to share with you a few thoughts today. In our family Bible reading, we recently read a verse that just leapt off the page at me. Isaiah 47, 9 says, These two things shall come upon you in a moment in one day. Now, if you study the context of Isaiah 47, you'll see that the prophet Isaiah is prophesying what will happen to Babylon, what's coming. Keep in mind, this prophecy predates the great king Nebuchadnezzar by at least 80 years. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is the king and conqueror that we read about in the book of Daniel that conquers Judah. He destroys Solomon's temple. And he carries the Jewish people away into exile. This prophecy is 147 years from being fulfilled when it's written. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he's known for his architectural achievements. Babylon, think about the Hanging Gardens, one of the ancient uh, wonders of the world, one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. In, in the heyday, uh, we've read historical records that the city of Babylon was 15 miles square. The walls... 350 feet high, 87 feet thick. It's even reported that there were chariot races held atop these walls. It's seemingly an impenetrable city. And the attitude of the people of Babylon was one of great security and fearlessness. They had no need to worry. Yet it was this prophecy that's fulfilled in Daniel chapter 5. You know the story well in Daniel 5, how Belshazzar, the king that reigns 23 years after Nebuchadnezzar's death, he has a huge feast. He has a thousand of his lords there to eat. I want you to imagine for a second preparing a meal for a thousand men. Can you imagine it? So as he's feeding these men, as this feast is going on, he brings out the ransacked golden and silver vessels from Solomon's temple, and he drinks and he praises the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. We read that in Daniel chapter 5, verse 4. And then we see that a hand from God writes on the wall. And everyone is a little freaked out. And we read that the king, that his knees actually knock together and his limbs give way. His color changes. He's pale as a ghost. Daniel God's man is called. He interprets the words on the wall of the immediate judgment that is at hand. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. We read that in verse 30. Or in verse 30, we read that that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean, was killed. Historians say that Babylon fell that night in October of 539 B.C. We read it in Scripture and then we also hear what history has to say, that it was the army of Cyrus. The great city fell without a fight. They had literally redirected, it's thought, the, Euth the Euphrates River and were able to enter the city without even a battle. Regardless of how it happened, the seemingly impossible prophetic word of God from Isaiah 47.9 was fulfilled. Babylon fell in one day. I want you to dwell on three lessons that we can learn from this prophecy and the, the fulfillment of it in, da in Daniel chapter 5. First of all, I want you to dwell on the fact that the kingdom of God presses ahead relentlessly. Second of all, I want you to reflect on what a difference a day makes. And finally, I want you to realize that God's promises are true. 
So first, the kingdom of God presses ahead relentlessly. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44? He dreams of a statue. Daniel interprets it. He says this statue represents five kingdoms, and those kingdoms will rule over Israel. But in Daniel 2, 44, we read, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring to an end, and it shall stand forever. The transition of Babylon from Belshazzar to Cyrus was the beginning of the fall of many kingdoms. And God does and will establish his kingdom forever. It will not fall in the middle of the night. All of this world's kingdoms will fall. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We might interpret it to say the kingdom presses ahead relentlessly and the relentless press their way into it. Let me ask you, are you relentless in pressing your way into the kingdom? My fear is that like Belshazzar and his party, we live in a culture that worships the gods of gold, silver, wood, stone, and its allure is all around us. Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 say, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. But take comfort, for Christ also says in Matthew verse, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. The kingdom goes forth. Under persecution, through hunger, nakedness, poverty, peril, and even death, scores of saints continue to be added to the kingdom. Let me ask you, dear friend, what does your citizenship in the kingdom look like? Next, I want you to reflect on what a difference a day makes. Most, if not all of us, have had our days uh, they look completely different. They've been turned upside down and look completely different than they did just six weeks ago. Perhaps you're dealing with loneliness and isolation. Perhaps you're finding yourself suddenly a homeschool parent. Maybe your business is slowed. Maybe you've even lost your job. Regardless of how you feel about your world being turned upside down, much like those Babylonians whose world was turned upside down in one night, our identity may have seemed to have shifted if we find our comfort in what this world has to offer. But as Christians, we don't grow discouraged. We don't lose hope. We don't lose joy. For our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. He's brought, bought us with, he's purchased us with his shed blood that he shed on the cross. And we live with hope because he rose from the dead. And we have great joy because he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. So, dear friend, I pray that you'll say with the psalmist, teach me to number my days. Do not waste these days. The schools may be shuttered. Restaurants may be closed. You may not be able to get a haircut. But God's kingdom citizens must seize the day. We have to make the best opportunity of what lies ahead of us today. Today is the day of salvation. 
Proclaim the good news today. Proclaim it to your spouse. Proclaim it to your children. Proclaim it to your children's children, to your neighbors. Love one another and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit today. And finally, friend, we know that God's promises are true. What he says will come to pass, will come to pass. We observe that from this passage. And just as we're foretold in Isaiah, it's foretold, it's prophesied that Babylon will fall in one day. We also know that in one day, Christ will return. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is king. He is Lord of lords. Will you serve him today? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your truth. Father, we're so thankful that you've told us, you've given us instruction, you haven't left us alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've bought us with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We pray that today we will have great joy in the promises that you've given us. Father, that we would be filled by your spirit. Lord, that we would, um, we would find all of our identity in Christ. And Lord, that we would love others well. And that we would love you with our hearts, minds, soul, and spirit. We just give you praise for what you're doing in our midst. And we pray all this by your spirit in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.